It is so good to be with you. I genuinely, just on behalf of our entire team, it's just good to be with you. When I see you walk into worship and I see you worshiping, that encourages my heart and encourages me to keep worshiping God. Amen? Amen. How many need some spiritual food today, right? We need something of substance. We need something to carry us through the week. So we're, we, are, we are completing the book of Luke. We are completing the book of Luke today. So um, I'm excited about that. We'll see if we can get all the way down to verse 53. But uh, I'm looking, I want to get into that in just a second. Before we do that, I just want to say welcome back to our team that served an entire week in Montana at a place called Pine Haven Children's Christian Ranch. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know some of you gave up your vacation time, you gave your money, you gave your time, you gave uh, just of yourself. And I, I, I believe that those moments that you just say, I'm sacrificing, I'm giving it all, God knows and he cares and he sees everything and there are riches in eternity that I believe God is setting aside for those who say, I'm in. I'm, all, I'm not just in, I'm all in. And so and if you're not aware, Pine Haven Christian Children's Ranch is a uh, ministry that began by one individual named Bob Russell years and years ago. He had such a heart for the children who are in the foster care system and children that are abandoned and they can't seem to get help and there's drugs and alcohol and abuse in their home and all these, me- uh, just, just a mess. And so he started a ranch in Montana, hundreds of acres where he, children go there, they go to school, they learn about the gospel, the good news, they learn to work on the farm, and they are changed. They are changed. So we started financially support. Part of what you give every week, a portion of that goes to outreaches like this. And I, I just want to say again, thank you. This is what it's about. It's about serving people. It's about reaching people who are lost. And so I'm just so grateful. Um, also, just, I'm so excited. We have parenting seminars. We have children's uh, uh, outreaches. We have um, student ministries every week during the summer. If you want to check our website, mvcchome.org, or you can just download the app on your phone, MVCC app. It gives you all the stuff that's going on in the next few weeks, and there's a lot of stuff. If you have kids, um, get your kids involved in Mission Kids. If you have junior high, high school, young adult, you want to be involved. We made a decision when my wife and I decided to have kids. Uh, we just decided church was going to be their community. And we wanted to make sure it was a healthy church that there was a community, right? Kids need community. They need a place of, place of faith. They need a place to ask their questions. They need a place to hurt. They need a place to bring their friends who are dealing with suicide and all these just issues that kids are dealing with. They need a place where they can find Jesus. And I'm so grateful that we have student ministries and mission kids and all that cool stuff. And you can, again, check out what's going on. There's always something going on at NBCC. Child dedications today are happening at second hour. There are 12 children. And have you noticed there's more strollers here in the last, like, six months? Little kids running around on the grass, eating donuts and stuff. I, I love the fact that God is bringing in the younger generation, and we need them. We need you. And I want to say to those that are in the older generation category, we need you because you've walked with Jesus 50, 60, 70 years, and we need that mentoring. We need that coaching. We need each other. 
I love multi-generational ministry. We can't just be a church of just 20-year-olds. Who's going to teach the 20-year-olds how to, how to do a family and, and marriage and all that stuff? And we don't want just, you know, 70, 80-year-olds because we need to be here. We need to be here for the next 10 years. We don't want this to become some strip mall because all of a sudden we can't pay the bills and someone comes in and buys the property and there's no more church, right? It's important that we reach everyone. Everyone's welcome to the gospel. Now, if you've ever felt discouraged, if you've ever felt like giving up, if you've ever felt like it just doesn't matter, I can't keep going, this message is for you today. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. We're going to start in verse 13. Before we get there, I just want to set up some background, uh, maybe for those that are guests or visiting. I don't want to just jump into it and what in the world are we talking about today? When I was 20... Three. I was 23. I had just graduated uh, at 22 from Bible seminary, felt the call uh, on my life to serve God, had no idea what he was going to do, but I felt the best place to start was youth ministry, kids, students, because, you know, I was 22 and I felt like my wife and I could relate to junior high, high school and young adults. So we were here in Mission Viejo. There was a small church in Rancho Santa Margarita that we were visiting for a little bit, and um, they were looking for a youth pastor, a full-time youth pastor. And so I applied for that position. I thought, Pastor Scott, I thought, I'm in. Because I live here, they don't have to fly some guy in from Kentucky and, and, and change all of the culture of Kentucky where they wear just boots and polyester. I mean, it's California, I'm already here. So I thought, and, and we're young, we just graduated from college. I thought, we're in. I arrogantly thought, I got the job, no problem. And I remember there was an all-church softball meeting. Remember in the days when we used to have all-church softball meetings? And that's another story. So it was an all-church softball meeting. We were playing against some other church, and I was playing with this small church that I had interviewed with. And after the game, one of the leaders came up to you and said, um, I need to talk to you a minute. Uh, you're not getting the job. I mean, that's how he said it. I was devastated. I thought, it's over. Where am I going to work? I, I maybe should go back to teach tennis. This is not, this is God, this is not you. I literally felt like turning around and just walking back, backwards. Two weeks later, I got a call from my youth pastor who started a church in Hawaii. And he had no idea I was interviewing here. He has no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, I get this phone call and he says, I need a youth pastor. Our church is growing. We're about 300 people now. We need someone for student ministries. Do you want to come? And I think I told you this before. I put the phone down and I said, Laura, Jesus just called us to Hawaii. <laughs> Jesus was in that moment when I didn't get what I wanted, Amen. what I thought God's will was. He was there in that moment, just like he was right there when I believe God was calling us to serve, suffer in Hawaii for six years. It was, it was amazing to serve there. I say that to say this. Sometimes we feel like we want to turn around and walk the other way, don't we? God, I want to be married. God, I want the degree. God, I wanted that job. God, I want to be single. I don't want to be married. Whatever you might be, whatever season of life, we can be so arrogant we can be so full of pride in ourselves to make it make us believe that it's all about us Amen. and all the while jesus 
comes up behind us, taps us on the shoulder to remind us, I'm still here. I'm still working. In Luke 23, it was absolute mayhem in Jerusalem. Mobs of people. It was the Jewish Passover. Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews. And most of them did not receive Jesus for who he was. This was called the trial of the century when we look back in history. Jesus, who with the only thing that he was ever accused of is loving people, is now crucified on a hill called Golgotha, outside the city gate of Jerusalem, as Jesus is pinned between two thieves, one on his right and one on his left, Jesus says, Father, into my hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Before he did that, in John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, Jesus cried out while he was dying, it is finished, right? Yes, hallelujah. But to some of them there, when, he, when they heard, it is finished, they didn't know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They thought, it's finished. How could this be finished? I'm out. Do, do, do you catch where we are here? Now, we're going to catch up with a couple of guys. One of them's named Cleopas. I like to call him Cleo. They're on a small road, but it's a long and windy seven-mile road. Traveling in the wrong direction. Things aren't working out. I mean, that, that breakup, God was still there. The divorce, God was still there. The relapse, God was still there. The cancer diagnosis, God is still there. He's already been to your tomorrow. He's been to my tomorrow. So why do I worry? Why do I stress? Why do I think about tomorrow like I can control anything? I think it's just human nature for us to get trapped into that place of worrying and fretting about what's going to happen tomorrow. And why am I in this situation now? Are you with me? Now we're going to pick it up here in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, down to verse 34. Let's pick it up as we are walking behind Cleo and one of the disciples who are definitely, definitely downcast. They are, they are having a bad day. Verse 13, that same day, the same day that Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus, watch this now, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I think that's kind of funny. Let's just, let's just go on. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days? What thing? This is funny. They're telling Jesus about Jesus, right? <laughs> what things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet and who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. 
But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over. I need you to watch. If you have a Bible, open Bible right now, I want you just to highlight this, put an underline on it. Make this a memorable moment for you. We're going to get back to this. The leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote about in the scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't that been awesome? Jesus is teaching you and me about Moses, Abraham, David, all the miracles, everything God in the New Old Testament to point to one event, the Messiah. He's alive. He's the resurrection. I'm standing here right in front of you. Interesting that they lost hope and went back to the town of Emmaus, but hope is standing right before them. Ever been there? I have lost hope. I have lost my way. Yes, even following Jesus, I've lost hope at times and I've lost my way when I have forgotten Jesus has never left. He's the hope. He's standing right here. Let's continue on. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of the journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us. Why did they say that? They sensed something different about this guy. There's something about him. He taught the scriptures. We've never heard that before. There was something, I believe, that just who Jesus is, and I don't fully understand why they were kept from understanding him, but we'll get to that in a second. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, Watch this now. Suddenly, right? Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, now I love this is where we're going this morning. Verse 32, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, They were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Woo! I love this. Their eyes were opened. What was it that all of a sudden, I I, I don't fully know this. I'm just guessing here that maybe when Jesus broke the bread, maybe when he passed the bread to them, they saw his nail-scarred hands. Maybe, maybe that was it, and it all kind of came together. Isn't it interesting that before that moment happened, stay with us. Have you been in a moment, I mean, just in worship, or you've been in some study, or been in some moment, maybe just driving down the road, and you're listening to some worship songs, that last song that we sang today, God Will Make Room For You, it gets me all the time because it convicts me about, I need to make room for Jesus, And what I need to make room for is this position right here. Humility, 
God, I cry out to you. I need you. I need to be blessed of you, God. I need more of you. I don't want to just have a religious experience. I don't want to just know about you. Jesus, I want to know more of you. I want an intimate relationship with you, God. I want to be like the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And if it means I have to suffer, then God, so be it. Give me that heart, God. And I'll say that I will, with trembling and fear, to be honest with you, because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have to go through suffering. I don't like hurt. I don't like pain. I don't want to have to go through it. But God, if it means it draws me closer to you, I'm in. That's, do you see where these guys are? I, I don't call this the seven-mile journey. I read it in a book. I love this. This is a 14-mile journey because they went seven miles and immediately seven miles back to Jerusalem, right? Isn't that like life for us? I, I, I love Jesus. Jesus kind of, he creeps up behind them, right? I, I don't know the scenario. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this just like we're all learning this. But I imagine these things in between the lines of the verses. And Jesus comes up behind me. What y'all talking about? You haven't heard? How could you not hear? The whole city is in an uproar. It's Passover. This guy, Jesus, he died. He claimed to be the son of God. We knew him. We followed him. And all of a sudden, he said, it is finished. You don't know what's going on. I just think this is funny. Again, they're talking to Jesus about Jesus. And Jesus simply continues on in discussion. We're going to do the first thing here. If you're taking some notes, I like outlines. It helps me to follow. Number one is this, the return. The returning to Emmaus. If you've ever felt like giving up, if you've ever felt it doesn't work anymore, if you feel like my prayers aren't being answered, God, I'm out. We may not say those words, we may not verbally say them, we might even say it to anybody, but the secret place, the recess of our own heart, haven't we all felt like, I'm done, dude. This is not what I signed up for. And if you're there, we're a church that's real, loving, Want to be loving, we want to be real, and on mission, man. On mission to the cross. On mission to get people to the cross. That's why I think they love Jesus so much. Because Jesus was, did you notice, came up behind them, walked with them. He, did, he wasn't waiting in Jerusalem saying, Hey guys, uh, I need you to meet me back in Jerusalem because I'm in the holy place because I'm the holy God and you're not. Why don't church, non-church people come to a place like this? Because they think we have it all together. I, I'm not allowed there. If I was to come into the church building, the, 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 the place would fall down. I'm certainly not going into a place like that because those people are all hypocrites. All they want is your money. And I'll tell you, some of that is true. I feel sorry for people who, who have seen hypocritical living. Or all they want is your money, right? Or there's always an ulterior motive. Those people are phony. I mean, we could go on and on about this. That's why I just believe the fast track. Ever been on the 91 freeway? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the road to purgatory. <laughs> I don't want to be in that right lane. Those right two lanes, baby, you're sitting and on a hot riverside afternoon. Then you keep going. You're going to hit Barstow, baby. That's the worst. I want to be in the fast lane. I want to be in the fast track. And the best way to be in the fast track is just be real. Quit playing the game. 
Christians, those of us who call ourselves Christian, quit pretending that you have it all together because you know you don't and they know you don't. And the more that you say, no, I don't struggle with that. Oh no, I don't struggle with alcohol. I don't struggle with porn. I don't struggle with lust. I don't struggle with greed. I don't really struggle with cussing because we don't do those things. I used to be that way, but now I'm not. <laughs> we, we do that stuff and people are like, what? I know you. I've heard you cuss. Can we just be real here? That's why they love Jesus. That's why, because he was down in the streets with them. And this is why I believe they see. Did not our hearts burn within us when we heard him speak? That's why, man, I got to be at church. I got to be here. All the time. If I wasn't a pastor... If I worked in the business world or some other vocation and did that full time, and you can still love Jesus and do all that, that's a ministry. We certainly don't need more pastors. Uh, we don't need more. We need more people who see their jobs as ministry to love people out there and bring them in. But I got to be here. I, I, I'm not here because I get a, a paycheck. Thank you that we get to do this full time. But even if I didn't get a pay, I got to be here because I know me. And I know who God, God created me to be a worshiper. He's created all of us to worship him. And if I don't worship him, the way Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the gathering together of saints as some in the habit of doing, then I'm going to be depleted. I'm going to run on empty. And then when I try and live for Jesus out there, ain't gonna happen. Because I can get sucked into the vortex of the world so fast that I don't even know what happened to me. Did you notice in verse 20? So I just wanna say this. And if you're watching online, we're glad you're part of our MVCC fam. If you're in the area, we would love for you to be with us. And I'm not saying if you miss church once, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. Come on, you know that, right? I'm saying we should be gathering as much as possible. And when we can't, thank God, because of your offerings, we're able to do a presence of online that's excellent. So someone would want to actually spend some time listening to the word. Get in the gospel. Amen. So, verse 20 says, they handed him, they're teaching Jesus, and Jesus is teaching them. They handed him over, the Greek word, this is our, this is our Bible lesson today. You ready for the Greek word? I want everybody to say this word together. We're going to remember this word. This is the word for the day. Paradidomai. One, two, three. Everybody say, paradidomai. Oh, come on, one more time. One, two, three. Paradidomai. It, it's the same word that says Judas handed over the 30 pieces of silvers when he sold Jesus. It's the same word that it says the Sanhedrin handed Jesus over to Caiaphas to be crucified. It's the same word that says when Caiaphas handed Jesus over to Pilate, it's the same word that says Pilate handed Jesus over to Herod. The disciples saw Jesus being arrested and thought he's handed over to be arrested my hope is gone. Do you see what's happening here? Their hope was handed over because Jesus is dead. Jesus is gone. And that's why it says, why are you so downcast? Christian, why are you looking like you're not saved? Pastor Mike, 
I know you got problems. I know you got issues. We all got problems. We all got issues. You can't live in the world more than 20 minutes without a problem because we live in a sin-infested world and bad things just happen. We've done bad things and the ripple effect of that action has hurt other people. When you mix in billions of people all over the world, that's why our world is so messed up. It's not because of global warming. The world is in decay. The world is in decay. Not, not to say that some of that's not happening. I'm just saying that the world is in decay because of sin. Does that make sense? Yeah. God said this in Genesis. The minute you eat from this tree, I told you not to eat from that tree. And the minute you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. That's what spun the world into the problems that we have. So we should not, we should not think that, man, if I become Christian... I'm never going to have problems and never get cancer. God will pay my mortgage. My marriage will be awesome. My kids will be awesome. Uh, Everything's going to be awesome. I'll have a vacation home. We'll have an RV and Jesus will just be awesome for us, right? (laughs) Now, I understand. We got to get through this quickly. I understand how they were downcast and went back to Emmaus. I'm embarrassed to say that as your pastor, but I just want to be real. I understand that. I understand how... Peter thought Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He really wasn't sure after the resurrection. Do you remember what he said to the disciples when they were by the Sea of Galilee? I'm going fishing. I don't know about you guys. I'm not going to stand here anymore and waste my life. I'm going back to the old way. Fishermen made lots of money. The women liked me. I had a house on the Sea of Galilee. I had a family. Everything. My life was wonderful. Now my life is an absolute mess. I gave up. Three years of my life for this guy, and he died. He told us there was going to be the kingdom. What's he talking about? He's gone. I'm going fishing. Ever felt? I'm going back to alcohol. I'm going back to crack. I'm going back to the affair. I'm going back to that relationship. I'm going back to what feels good. I'm going back to what the quick fix is. It might be money, cars. It could be anything. And that, those things aren't bad, money and cars. It's just when we seek after those things and we think that's really going to make us feel good, it really doesn't. So I understand why Cleo and his companion went the other way. When life hits you hard, sometimes, come on, when life hits you hard, you want to just go home. I was so excited. Our, our prayer meeting Tuesday night, I tell you what, we have prayer meetings the last Tuesday of every month. Something always happens when we have prayer meeting because God just said, I want you to gather together. My house should be called a, prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. Right. I come to find out that two of our MVCC uh, fam- family reached out. Did you see on the KTLA News Channel 5, Zach and Corey, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. They have three, th- I believe three girls. Weeks later, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor inoperable. I don't know if you've heard this. It was all over the news. Two of our folks here at NVCC said, I'm going to reach out to them when they saw the newscast. Miracle number one, our church is reaching out. This is what we're supposed to do. This is great. Miracle number two, they invited them to come to the prayer meeting. Now, I don't know about you, but Strange people, strange church. I don't know if I'm going to go to a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting, maybe I'll slip into church because nobody touched me, nobody talked to me. But coming to a prayer meeting, I don't know about that. They come to the prayer meeting. They welcomed the entire 
our family praying, reaching out and praying for them and praying for healing for them and asking God to be with them, whatever his will is. The reason I bring this up is life can hit hard. And when it hits hard and you're not expecting it, you have to have the arsenal to be able to say, I will not go back to Emmaus. Are you with me? Action point number one. God can be found in the disappointment. I think I just need to camp on that for a minute. Just let it simmer. God can be found in the disappointment. It's okay. Jesus himself was disappointed. You know what's interesting about this? We just read the timing of all this. Did did you happen to catch when we read the verses? The same day. If, If you were following Jesus and saw him for, you know, we don't know if Cleo and his friend, we don't know exactly how long they were with Jesus. But in that moment, I mean, wouldn't you, even if, you know, let's just hang around for an extra day or two, just in case, because I remember he said something about rising from the dead. I mean, wouldn't you like, get, let's get another night at the hotel, right? Let's, let's pitch a tent, go to the campground. Let's, let's stay one more night. Wouldn't you have done that? Sometimes we quit too early. My father took me to Angel Games all the time. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, this is when Nolan Ryan pitched. And I remember we saw him pitch a no-hitter. It was so cool. But I remember sometimes we go to Angel Games and um, there'd be the same people that would have season tickets around us. My father had season tickets because he was in business and such. So there were folks that you kind of recognize and kind of knew. And I remember it was like the seventh inning. And it was a tied game. And uh, this, the couple next to us got up and left. And I said, I think I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14. Where are you guys going? Oh, we, we got to go. We got to go to bed early. We have an early morning. You're leaving? You're leaving now? As soon as, maybe, I don't know, six, seven minutes, as soon as they left, when the angels hit a home run, and the whole place just goes, have you ever walked out of the stadium, you left early, and all of a sudden you hear the roar? Oh, I missed it. What happened? I don't know if maybe they felt like that. We missed it. We should have hung around. But here's the thing I love. Even though they didn't hang around and trust God, they went the other way. Where is God? He's right there with him. You can run. You can go back to alcohol. You can go back to drugs. You can go back to whatever addiction. You can go back to whatever feels good. Not good idea to do that. I'm not saying, Pastor Mike did not say go back to that stuff, okay? (laughs) But when we find ourselves being weak and we fall into something that we know we shouldn't be doing, Jesus is right there. I love it. Second thing I see here is the big reveal. Jesus reveals himself to the disciples, right? And how does he do it? When he breaks the bread. I don't know, again, if they saw the nail scars in his hands and maybe his feet. I love the way Jesus is kind of stealth. You know, he shows up, but he's not fully known to them. What are you guys talking about? Sometimes God is stealth in our life. Sometimes I don't feel like God is here. Sometimes I don't feel when I'm going through a storm and going through a problem, God, where are you? How come you're not answering? Where are you, God? Do you care about me? I have cried 
tears about being so frustrated with God because you're not listening to me. Do you see the situation, God? We are in pain. We are in dire straits. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, God. I need you. I need a miracle now. Let me remind us, action point number two, you and I must make a decision today. You must, if you are a believer, if you're a follower, if you love Jesus with all your heart, you must make a decision to believe that God is good. If I do not have that scriptural basis in my mind and in my spirit, then I will forever be questioning every problem that I have or every storm that I'm engaged in. You with me? Just a little reminder, Deuteronomy 4.31 says, God will never abandon you. Deuteronomy 31.6, do not fear, little flock, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1.5, no man should be able to stand before all the days of your life, just as I with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Hebrews 13.6, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So what can man do to me? Let's read verses 35 to 49 and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I don't know. I just feel right even now the Holy Spirit is just saying somebody needed one of those verses because they believe somebody in here does not really believe that God is good because of all the trauma, the bad things. And can I say that that's okay to feel that way? But now, Romans 12, 2 says, be changed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to change my thinking God, how could you let this happen to me over here? Where were you? I don't know. But I do know that there are new beginnings every morning. His mercies are new every morning. So that means I will choose to change my mind. I will read the scripture every morning. I'll get up and have quiet time. I'll have prayer. I'll get in a life group. I will serve. Because I know that those things change my mind and change my spirit. And by the way, Jesus just said, and think you're, unless you're thinking, well, Mike's asking me to do one more thing. I don't have room in my life to do one more thing. I'm not asking you to do one more thing. I'm asking you to do the thing. Put the kingdom first. If you put the kingdom first, doesn't he say in Matthew 6, 33, I will add all these things unto you. I'll take care of your needs. I'll ta- things will fall into place. Not that life will be easy, but I will take care of everything you need. In fact, some of us right now that are struggling with, I give, if I give one more thing to MVCC, if I sign up to be on the team, if I get in a life group, if I get in D12, if I get really involved, I'm not going to be able to reach my clients because I have to meet 15 clients every single week. And we're thinking like that, then we're striving on our own where God says, put my kingdom first, I'll give you more clients. And you won't have to strive. You won't have to work as hard. I will bless you if you bless my kingdom first. All right, let's just finish this up. Then two from Emmaus told their story to how Jesus had appeared to them. And as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him and how he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. 
Now, all the disciples, Cleo in the room, right? You guys aren't going to believe what happened. Jesus boop, just appears, right? But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's real, really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because the ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still stood in disbelief. I just want you to see here, they're still having trouble. Jesus is right there. And they're not believing. What is the matter with these guys? What is the matter with you? Do you notice Jesus' response? Come over here, touch me. I've been with you for three years. You numbskulls don't understand. I'm, I'm not a ghost. Obviously, I'm not. How could you be following me that long and you don't believe in me? I'm resurrected right here. He doesn't scold them. Come over here. See the evidence. Some of us here today, uh, I'm not really sure I believe the Jesus stuff. I'm not really sure I believe the Bible stuff. He gave, I don't have time, so many evidences, so many hands-on, touch-feel stuff that God left here so we would know that this book is true. Everything that happened is true. And if Jesus is the Son of God, which I believe he is, God in flesh, then everything he said is true. So they stood in disbelief. Do you have anything here to eat? Isn't this wonderful? Do you see what Jesus, do you guys have something to eat? Why does he, it's not really, I don't think he's really hungry. I think he's saying, if I eat this stuff, you'll know that I'm not a ghost. Do you see what he's doing? He's giving them evidences because he loves them, right? They gave him a piece of broiled, broiled fish. I hope, I hope it was really good fish. And he ate as they watched. And then he said, when I was with you, before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and all the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die, rise from the dead on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There, forgiveness of sins to all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That's the word. He released them. He now is released. Do you see what he's doing? They, the return, they left. We've all feel like, forget it, I'm out. They returned the 14 miles, right? And now he's releasing them. For what? To be my witnesses. To be a living, breathing God person so that our world that's dying and has all kinds of problems can see Jesus in you. Church is not just for us to be here and take up space eating my food. Church is for the existence of, yes, worshiping God, getting filled, so we can go out there and show that God is alive. He has risen from the dead to bring them back here or to share your faith story or to bring them into a loving group of people that genuinely love Jesus and they can see that God is for them just as God is for you. Yes. The last thing I want to say, and then I'll get out of your way, is this. Do you remember the Greek word? Paradidomai, yeah, paradidomai. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, it's the same word when it says he gave up his spirit. No one took his life. No one took the life of Jesus. He gave his life up because he loves you. He loves us. If there's anyone here that doubts whether God, I want you to know if there's one thing, you didn't hear anything else God said. God absolutely loves you. Not as you should be, not as you ought to be, exactly how you are. 
When I understand that in my spirit, I want to be better. I want to change. I want to give up the drugs. I want to give up the sin. I don't, I don't want to do those things because I want to love God because he loves me. He now hands you, watch this, we're done. He hands you over. He hands you over, your life in construction, your life working for Rainbird, your life running an auto body shop, the things you guys are doing in construction, you work at Apple, all the things that you guys are doing that God has called you into construction, Dave, all those things so that you can show Jesus, my brother-in-law needs God. You're not working for a construction company, you're working for God who Eric needs the Lord. That's how this works. He handed you over. He handed Mike over. He handed all of us over. Luigi, he handed us over to the world to show that he has risen from the dead. God, I thank you. I thank you that you, you have risen from the dead. And we believe that. And God, I must confess, I don't understand everything about that. I still don't really understand how they could be kept from recognizing you, but I just trust because the word says, and I wasn't there. I don't need to know everything, God. I trust that what I need to know, you will reveal it. And there's somebody in here today that just needs to hear, open my eyes, God, that I might recognize him. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I do not want to rush into this moment of eternity for someone. If that's you today, I just want you to just quietly just slip up your hands so I can pray for you. If, if right now, Lord, I need you to open my eyes so I can see that you're real. If that's you, awesome. Awesome. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those that have said, yes, I need to see you, God. Open my eyes. Whatever circumstance in your power, God, that you would reveal you are definitely alive and you have a plan for every single one of us, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection power. Bless us, Lord, as we take this moment to remember the cross through communion. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.